0: Welcome to The Neighborhood. My name is Michael Lacey, husband, father, and host of The Wealthy Neighbor Show, where every week we bring you an amazing interview or a message to inspire you as you build wealth for your family. Thanks for stopping by The Neighborhood. Now let's jump right in with today's message. Welcome to episode six of The Wealthy Neighbor Show. In today's episode, we're going to talk a little about lifestyle design and more specifically using geo-arbitrage to create the life you want. Now, these two phrases, geo-arbitrage and lifestyle design may sound fancy and they may be new to you, so I do want to take a quick second to kind of break them down and talk about it a little bit. Put simply, lifestyle design is making certain choices in an effort to design your life to be the way you want it to be. Financially speaking, this could look like paying off debt so one parent can stay home with a child without the stress of monthly payments and all those things hanging over your head. It could be saving or investing enough to cover your living expenses so you can leave a career you're not passionate about for one you absolutely love even if that new career pays significantly less. Or... It can be moving across the country to be able to save money at a higher rate in order to reach your goal of retiring and selling the world with your family much sooner than the traditional retirement age. That practice right there, the moving across the country part, is known as geo arbitrage and it's exactly what today's guest is doing. That's right. My friend Amanda Williams, better known as Debt Free and Sunny CA, is stopping by the neighborhood today and she's going to share what life has been like since paying off over one hundred and thirty three thousand dollars of debt in only 43 months. Amanda has so much going on that I want to talk about, starting with the debt-free community hashtag on Instagram. Now, I remember when this all started, and it's crazy to think that as of right now, just a couple years into this thing, that hashtag has over 759,000 posts on Instagram. I mean, if you follow Dave Ramsey on there, who has been referenced on this show quite a bit, you may even see him use the hashtag as his caption to an Instagram post. This virtual community is an absolute force in the financial world. And today's guest, Amanda, is essentially the mother of this hashtag that has helped thousands of families stay motivated as they pay off debt and reach their other financial goals. So, Amanda, first, thank you for coming on the show. I mean, it's a real privilege to have you here today. So, I mean, let's talk about it. What is the actual story behind the creation of this powerful hashtag for those who maybe weren't there in the beginning?
1: Well, thank you, Michael, for having me on your podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, and it's still surreal seeing him use the hashtag. And the first time that he used it, I I had people messaging me freaking out. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, totally screenshotted it. <laughs> it was like a big moment. <laughs> uh, so the creation, the, the story behind the creation is kind of a funny one. Back three, four years ago, on Instagram, you didn't have all of these people posting about their debt-free journeys. It wasn't like a big community as it is today. Um, And so to find other people to connect with, I started searching hashtag debt-free, hashtag Dave Ramsey to try and find other people because there wasn't a lot. And I started to get really annoyed with the people that were selling like the skinny wraps that go around your belly or the tea.
0: Yes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Every single post would be that. And I was like, yep. eh. <laughs> I was like, guys, we need our own hashtag. I'm tired of seeing all these people selling stuff. So I want our own hashtag so that we can use it and other people can find us. And I did not expect it to turn out the way that it did.
0: You know, you have people like you, people like me and many others who not just use the hashtag to just stay motivated and pay off debt. But I mean, some of the early users are making livings, like teaching other people about money. And it's essentially become much more than a hashtag. And so a question I just have for you is what's the coolest thing that's happened to you personally as a result of creating the hashtag?
1: Uh, Definitely seeing all these people create businesses. That's that's pretty cool to see, but for me personally, it's got to be the interviews and the features. So Forbes, ABC10 News, I did a couple segments with them, and then I just had a call with the LA Times today. So that was really exciting. And then secondly is just the real-life friends that I've made within the debt-free community because when you move around to a new city, you it's it's hard to make friends as an adult, I'll be honest. And so it's nice having people who have have something in common.
0: Yeah, I mean, let's go into that a little bit because you guys did, you know, document your journey of paying off over $133,000 in debt in 43 months, which deserves its own round of applause. But you guys did recently move from California to Texas. And so, when did you start kind of thinking about th- making that kind of move and what were you noticing about living in California that made that an, a real option for you?
1: It was it's been a thought for several years we we go back and forth like man we need to leave california either when the gas prices go up or we see how much it is to buy a house and that was really the the motivation behind leaving cuz we we became debt free working on our emergency fund and the next step was really to buy a house and houses are like 550 and above there which would take forever to pay off and we started looking at other areas and then the the kicker that got us is we watched the movie playing with fire And they actually lived in Coronado, which was about 45 minutes where we used to live. And they picked up and moved and they shared their journey of how much they were saving, able to save each month because they didn't have the high cost of living
0: anymore. You know, talk to me about the... I guess the the emotional side of that, right? Because that's something that my wife and I talk about, not necessarily right now moving, but once we hit our five number, we're, you know, we're thinking of maybe moving to a different part of the country or moving out of the country. And so kind of talk to me about the, just the emotional side of packing up everything and again, moving across the country.
1: I think we're both the type of people that once we set our minds to something, we're going to do it. And little emotional factor plays in that until afterwards. So now that we've moved, we're like, oh, well, we don't have, we don't have our family. We don't have our friends anymore. We're kind of alone now. You're going to have to start over. So it's a realization after the fact that we're having to work through.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so what, I mean, what has that been like for you getting settled into a new place?
1: It's been slow because a ton of stuff. You're packing up your whole house and moving. And so you got to unpack. And then we went straight into work. So we didn't take that much time off. It was pretty much just the drive. And then we went into work the next day. (laughs) So, So we didn't, we didn't plan that very well.
0: You know, one question that I'm sure some of the listeners have, I mean, you obviously settled in on moving to Austin, Texas. What was it about Austin that made you decide that that was the place for you?
1: So we my husband and I Josh, we both work at the same company and we have quite a few off- offices around the United States and so we we looked at the locations that that I was okay with moving and he was okay with moving. So mine was it couldn't be too cold, so Colorado was out. <laughs> so we landed on austin texas and then florida we have an office there it's a small town i can't remember the name of it um but we went back and forth from there a while and then with those two for a while and then we realized uh hurricane season flood insurance it's florida <laughs> sorry all <laughs> you floridans <laughs> you see the florida man headline
0: <laughs> florida man all day
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then it was uh, much further away from where our family lives in California. So we we chose the one in the middle, and it's a bigger office. So that's how we came on Austin.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So then you guys are living in California, and you're planning this move to Austin. How did you go about I mean, looking for a house and, and all those things that you kind of have to do in order to move like that?
1: It's one of the things that I love about the debt-free community. When you have a question... They will answer it. They will give you a ton of advice. So I started looking for houses on Zillow, and I would post ones that I could find with the prices. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to be saving so much! And then I was getting a lot of comments that most people in Texas they work with a real estate agent to to find a rental place. And I thought that was the weirdest thing ever, but apparently it's really common. So I reached out to our. We have a family member who lives here, so she put us in touch with a real estate agent and couple days before, she gave us a bunch of houses to look at, and then we went and saw them over two days. And even she was pulling up more as we were like, no, we don't like that one. So it was really easy.
0: I know that kind of the catalyst for all of this was the the playing with fire documentary. You mentioned that and this being kind of financially based. So I want to go into the financial aspect of a move like that. I mean, what were some of the costs associated with that? And how did you guys prepare your budget and save up and do all those things to facilitate a move?
1: Yeah, it's it's not cheap to move. The first thing that we decided was instead of paying seven thousand to use a pod or some other moving truck, we were going to DIY the move. So we started saving up for a trailer that we were going to tow with Josh's truck, the accessories that go with that, first month's rent and the deposit, and then um, gas were the big the big items, and that's that's over ten thousand dollars right there. So to prepare for that, we sold my car. I had a two thousand five Honda Civic that I paid cash for. $5,000 for like five years ago, I think it was maybe four years ago. And I sold it for $4,800 because it was still in great condition, low miles. And then we just started saving. We had about six months from the time that we decided to move until we actually moved. So we just stacked cash and also sold items to pay for pay for the gas. So we we downsized the house and anything that we sold, we would put towards gas.
0: That's awesome. And so, you know, again, because this was motivated a lot by finance, what were some of those immediate financial benefits you saw from a move like that?
1: I was so excited when we got our first paycheck because I could see how much we were saving in taxes and I could calculate for a whole year how much we were saving in taxes just by leaving California and moving to Texas. So Texas doesn't have income tax and that's about $14,000 a year that we're saving, which is huge. Um, cheaper housing, the gas savings. It's insane. It's like half the price of what California is right now. And then the, the food cost is cheaper.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, just the taxes alone. I know we actually just voted like yesterday on not having that income tax, so that's awesome that you guys moved here. And then oh, you, that's good. We li- that was literally <laughs> on the ballot yesterday. Was like people wanted the income tax, and like everybody was like, no, not over here. So <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, we would have had to pack up and move again. And move
0: again, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yeah. So, I mean, what would you say to somebody that's kind of on the fence about making a move like that? Maybe that's somebody that's in that situation that's considering it. I mean, what are some things that you can tell them to kind of look out for?
1: I would definitely make a list of pros and cons. What are all the pros of staying? What are all the cons of le- or pros and cons of leaving and staying? And then see how they match up with your long-term goals. Because that's like the big picture. We don't want to work forever. And in California, you kind of have to. So immediately that was like, okay, we gotta got to get out. And that was a big push for it.
0: We'll be back with more from Amanda after this quick message from one of our sponsors. Did you know less than 5% of the people who buy life insurance get the right coverage for their situation? As a young family, your financial obligations are growing, but you're also in the early stages of building wealth for the future. This means you may need more coverage now, but less down the road. And as your wealth builds, your kids grow up, and you inch closer to retirement, your life insurance plan should automatically adjust. However, that isn't always the case, and this is where Everyday Life steps in. Everyday Life is an online insurance concierge created by fintech experts who got frustrated while buying their insurance and took action. Here's how it works. Fill out their anonymous questionnaire in under three minutes and you'll get advice and pricing for your personalized coverage plan that automatically adjusts as your needs change. With more coverage now when your family needs it most and less down the road when you won't need as much, everyday life can save you money both now and in the future. Get your personalized plan at elifelabs.com slash winning to wealth. That's elifelabs.com slash winning to wealth. So, As you guys were preparing to leave California, you guys received some life-changing news. Talk to the listeners who may not know you about what happened.
1: Yes. Yeah, so two days before we were scheduled to leave for California, I found out that we are expecting our first child. And it it wasn't something that we were planning for, but it wasn't something that we we're not planning for. So it was a good surprise. And it was just like life changing. Like we're leaving our entire family and moving out of state and we're about to have a baby. That was it was just mind blowing. <laughs>
0: I've never talked about this publicly, but I'll share it (laughs) because it's my podcast and what better place to say it. So when when my wife found out she was pregnant, she came back in and she was like, I'm pregnant. And I was laying in the bed. It had been a long day at work. And I was like, no, you're not. Whatever. Just like, get out of (laughs) here. You're lying. Yeah. I'm like, no, we were actively trying, you know, we had been trying for like two months. and But it was just something about it. I was just like, you're kidding! Like, take another one, whatever. You know, just like <laughs> totally didn't believe it, and uh and so to this day, she still kind of gives me a hard time about that. About like you didn't about even your reaction. It. Yeah, she was like you weren't excited <laughs> enough for me. I had to call my best friend and get her excited. So, I mean, what would, what was you guys's react? Because you you know you weren't actively planning for it, but so like what was you guys's initial reaction to that?
1: Yeah, honestly, the only reason I took the the test was because we were packing and I was like, "Oh, well, I don't want to have to pack that if I don't need it." <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I took the test and as soon as as soon as the pee went above the the little line, I could see both lines and I was like, oh, "Okay, but wait a minute. I'm supposed to wait 3 minutes, so I set it on the counter, took a shower, and was like, "If it's double line when I come out, I'll go tell Josh." And it, and it was. So I walked up to him and I just handed it to him with like a shocked face. He looked at it and he just got the biggest grin on his face. Like, are you serious?
0: Oh, that's awesome. So then, I mean, you know, you guys are in the middle of moving across the country. You're like two days away from leaving everything that you know and you find this out. But I'm curious. I mean, since you guys found that out and now you're preparing to be parents, I guess what's the difference now between now and then financially for you guys as a result of the pregnancy.
1: At this point it's more food because <laughs> mama is hungry all the time now. Now that I have an appetite, I'm just like, give me food. <laughs> right. <laughs> but not else has not a lot else has changed at this point. Right. We're working on saving up to get me a car. So after that we'll start saving for the baby, but yeah, we haven't made any budgeting baby changes just yet. I think we're still kind of Kind of shocked and like oh my gosh we're having a baby
0: yeah 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 so let's talk about your childhood a little bit I mean what kind of financial example did you have growing up
1: when I was growing up I thought it was a good one because my my mom would talk about finances with me but now looking back on it I realized that it wasn't the healthiest um, money example to have and that's that's not her fault that's just how she was taught in society um but a lot of using credit cards for buying things that I'm Not sure that they had the money for and taking out car loan after car loan. That was the normal. And that they, my parents, they actually also kept their money completely separate. So they never worked together on anything. It was his money, her money, and they kind of did what they want. So that was a little weird to see growing up.
0: You brought up the fact that your parents kept their money separate. How did you and Josh manage your money prior to being married and then coming together and becoming married What kind of changes did you have to make together? I mean, do you guys manage it together separately? How do you manage that now?
1: So before I got on my debt-free journey, I was using a credit card to buy everything and then hoping that I could pay it off all at the end of the month or whenever I got paid. And then when I got on my debt-free journey, I was using cash envelopes, doing the budget. And we were dating at that time. We were dating through that transition. So he got to see how I was doing everything, but he was still using a credit card, kind of doing like what I was, paying on it, but pretty much buying whatever he wanted. Um so as we got closer to getting married, he started picking up some of the cash envelopes and and we would do that for the grocery budget together so we would each contribute so much. And so he was he was uh, well aware of it before we got married. So it made it easier in that sense, but it was also difficult because you're combining all your accounts, you're you're figuring out okay, what account does this payment need to come out of? And like trying to get it switched over. So it's it's a big task up front to get everything situated and to get it going smoothly for a few months. But after a few months, it was... It
0: was good. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to touch back on, because you mentioned something there. You said that a few minutes ago, you were talking about your, your parents, the financial example you had, and it was a lot of credit cards and potentially things that couldn't be afforded. And then you found yourself in debt. So do you feel like maybe that early example kind of had an effect on you with how you manage money in your early adulthood?
1: For sure. Right before my 16th birthday, I went car shopping with my mom. And because taking out car loans was so normal, we went out and got a car loan for me at age 15. So throughout high school, any money that I made from my part time job, and then full time my senior year, because I only had a couple of classes was going to pay that car payment. So immediately in high school, I felt like I had no spending money or no fun money. It was all going to pay for this car, you know, and I wish I had just saved up and paid for a car and then I could have had some money to go do things with friends and stuff.
0: Right, right. No, that makes total sense. And so my next question is just because, I mean, you're about to be a, a parent yourself. I mean, what are some of those, Have you, or have you even thought about maybe some of those important money lessons that you hope to teach your kid?
1: Delayed gratification is definitely one of the first lessons that I want to teach them how to save up for purchases, purchases, because I think that's going to be life changing to where they can forecast and plan for the future and be like, okay, I need to save this to get that. That's huge. Obviously, how to budget is going to be a top lesson. And then I want to teach my kids early on that things cost money, and that money comes from work. So by teaching them that I hope that it kind of thwarts any. Excessive begging at the store for candy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: See how that goes. Look, I hope that works because that's my strategy. My daughter's getting close to that age now. So uh, (laughs) I'll I'll report back to you. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yes. Any advice? I'll take it.
0: So, I mean, sticking kind of with the parenting thing, I know for me, I mean, once I, you know, actually believed that my wife was pregnant, um, it it was one of those things where like I got immediately motivated. And it was just like, okay, we were already debt free. We already had an emergency fund and we were already kind of saving retirement but then when i found out this kid was on the way i was like "Uh uh-uh nope we're just like we're gonna just go all in and we're gonna you know shoot for financial independence and like we're gonna do all these things and i still feel that fire like almost two years later my daughter will be two in a couple months so i'm curious for you i mean have you felt just a, a greater motivation to reach fire anything like that more than you already were and if so how
1: Honestly, I hadn't thought about it until you asked the question. So, I don't think my maternal instincts have kicked in in that sense to where I'm like thinking about phi with with like I don't I don't know, it's still mind-blowing to me.
0: Right, yeah, and you are still early. I mean, that's 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 one thing. You know what I mean? This was kind of a gradual thing, and I think it really hit me like the moment my daughter was born. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know this, but I actually came up with the winning to wealth thing like while my wife was delivering. Really? Yeah, in the delivery room. That's so. So like, that's when it really like it. I mean, it just kind of really went full force from that point forward. So you still got time. Uh
1: I love that though. I love that <laughs> how it
0: happens. <laughs> yeah. So you've given a lot of credit to cash envelopes, and you've even mentioned it on here. Um, you said that that's kind of a bit of big help in your journey to pay off the debt. But I mean, if I remember correctly, you kind of went away from the cash envelope method recently. I mean, what did what made you make that change, and what are you doing now?
1: Yeah. So I I forgot my purse two different times. And I could not remember where I put the, put it. I found out that I left it at a grocery store. And then the other time I left it at work. So after that, I was like, I cannot be trusted with cash because I can't remember where my purse is. That's the pregnancy brain. Um, so from there on, I was like, no more cash. We're going to do digital from now on. And to, to help with that, because if we have a card with money in the account, we're just going to swipe, swipe, swipe. So we need an app or something that we can track our our expenses and really know how much is in our account for each category in real time. So I had a bunch of people recommend You Need a Budget, and I went with that one, and I absolutely love it.
0: Yeah, you know that's some that's interesting because for me, I I just could never get on the cash envelopes, and I think part of that is because I travel a lot. So it's Mm -hmm. always kind of like, okay, do I take cash with me while I travel? Because I'm gonna be eating while I'm gone, and like, what do you do when I'm not here? And it it just I, I just never felt like it worked for our particular lifestyle. I mean, nothing. I don't think anything's wrong with it. It just didn't work for me. Um, and so. I've always been a digital person and I absolutely love it. Like it's so cool seeing everything in kind of real time and always kind of being on the same page with where you guys are. So, I mean, for you guys, what's been one of some of the added benefits of going more digital versus the cash envelopes?
1: So with the cash envelopes, we we didn't write down every single purchase, we would just look in the envelope. And when there was money, we could spend it if there wasn't. Sorry, you can't buy anything. Um, But we tend we tended to steal from envelopes a lot. So Oh, I want to go out to this restaurant, but I don't have a restaurant envelope, I would steal from groceries. And then I wouldn't really know how much we were spending on groceries. With this app, you just move money to a specific category. So you can steal you can still steal from envelopes but you're going to realize how with your tracking how much you're actually spending in each area so that's that's a benefit that we've noticed from going from cash envelopes to the digital app more tracking yeah
0: yeah So I do want to talk about your debt story a little bit because it's incredible. I mean, you paid off $133,000 in 43 months. Like that's, (laughs) I mean, we, you know, and people look at us and they go, wow, you you know, we paid off 61,000 in 16 months and they go, wow, that's crazy how you paid it off so fast. And I I look at stories like yours and I go, wow, it's amazing how you were able to stay motivated for that long. Like at the end of 16 months, I was like, "Bruh, I don't know if I can do this anymore. (laughs) <laughs> so how I mean, how do you stay motivated for that length of time when you're paying off debt?
1: You have to celebrate your wins during the journey for sure. We would go out and do date nights or budget something to do something fun. Um, that was one of the ways we stay motivated and then really focusing on our why why we want to become debt-free, why it's so important to us, and and looking at all the progress we've made so far. That's how we stay motivated.
0: You know, and I'm glad you brought up the, the whole date night thing because it is important to keep your relationship alive while you're paying off debt, right? And so, I mean, what kind of things were you guys doing to go on these date nights while you were paying off debt and being aggressive in that area?
1: Our favorite budget-friendly date night was grilling out. So at one of our old places, we had this big RV pad that was fenced in. So we hung up some lights, put the grill out there, got our chairs and our fire pit, and we would just grill out, drink some beers, chit-chat, have friends over. And a lot of the times we would do like a no cell phone night. So there were no distractions. It was just us talking.
0: So during this time while you were paying off debt, and even now, I mean, do you guys have like a monthly sit down to talk about about money and if not, kinda how do you stay on the same page now because you've I mean because you've paid off so much debt so fast, like how are you keeping on track now with your finances?
1: We do our budget when we get paid and we get paid every two weeks. So we sit down go through the whole budget, say, how much do you want for this category? We look at the calendar and see what events or things that we need to budget for are on there. And we add all that in. And then since we work together, we're together like 95% of the time. So we're right there, our account, your accountability partners right there all the time. So it's easier to stay on track because you have that partner right there, or the other one can like input the spending in the app so that you're not getting off track.
0: For to hold on to something for 43 months, that takes a lot of mental focus, right? And so to hit that goal, and I mean, did you kind of feel like, you know, once you were done, like a kind of a what's next, or did you guys have more goals that you were striving for after that?
1: Yeah, we have, um we have more goals. Definitely right now our top goal is to save up and pay cash for a Honda CRV for me and then finish out our emergency fund. But I do want to talk about like right after we became debt free, we did lose some of that intensity because it had been so long that we'd been sticking to a budget and really saying no to ourselves. We kind of went a little bit crazy on the budget and just like, okay, we want to do all these things. So we had to like rein it in a lot after after a month or two.
0: Is there anything looking back on it? You know, you feel like, man, I wish we would have done this different. Like maybe we could have gone a little faster, or taken our time a little more, or anything like that. That you look back on and say, man, I wish we would have or could have done this a different way.
1: Not necessarily. I think, I think pausing our debt free journey to pay cash for our wedding that was the right move, and then we up we upgraded to a bigger rental house with a bigger yard for the dogs and that was totally worth it so not necessarily anything i would go back and cut but i think we took the right steps to help help us stay motivated
0: yeah i love that because you know we, we were just at fincon and you know the slogan for fincon was personal finances personal mm. right and yeah. so we all have to make decisions that keep us motivated and and so for an outsider they may look at that and go, "Well, why are you getting a bigger house if you're paying off debt or why mm-hmm. are you making these moves?" But I again, I did love that slogan from Fincon where it was just like "Personal finance is personal." And that's just a great reminder for everybody. Like you never know how people are staying motivated or, you know, what people's lifestyles are like outside of maybe Instagram or anything like that. And so it is important to just let people do them on their journey, you know. Yeah. And so um, I, I do want to transition a little bit more into the wealth building side. So for you and Josh now, I mean, how are you planning to build generational wealth going forward?
1: We're planning to do real estate investing. And that's kind of a reason why we moved to Austin, because we can buy we can buy a fourplex for the price of a house, <laughs> a house in California. So that that's the next step. We've got a lot of research to do. It's like when you're on your debt-free, when you're just starting your debt-free journey, you dig in and research everything that you need to do. And it's the same, but more with real estate. So got to buckle down and study.
0: Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's important to expose yourself, whether it's debt freedom, whether it's wealth building, real estate, whatever it is, expose yourself to a lot of different voices and then take all that information and filter it down to to what works for you. And so, I mean, what are some of the books or influences or podcasts or anything like that, that you guys are listening to, to help you grow in that area?
1: Bigger pockets for sure. They are like, the kings and queens of real estate investing. And then I'm following a couple of people on Instagram who are big into the house hacking and real estate, Nerds Guide to Wellness and Wealth from rentals, I believe, they're Ashley, people that, yes, yeah, yes. so I've been following them because they're like getting it <laughs> and I can't wait to be there.
0: I, okay. This is more of a fun question. It's for me because again, <laughs> I know everybody looks up to you on, you know, on Instagram and the debt-free community. So I want to ask this question. What was your guilty pleasure per- purchase while you were paying off your debt?
1: I don't know if this was a guilty purchase one thing that I got a lot of crap over. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Um, so when I was finishing up my master's degree, I would go to Starbucks every night to do my homework, distractionless environment, no dogs, no husband, just focus on my homework. And I was budgeting, I think, 60 to $80 in coffee because I wanted to get a coffee there. When I was studying, so that was kind of my guilty pleasure during my during our debt free journey, but kind of not really. Yeah, <laughs> it was no, just it something that got me through school.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Again, going back, I mean, we have to do what works for us. I mean, I, I love it. I was just curious if there was anything <laughs> that you know the the mother of the debt free community indulged in while she was paying off debt. I was just. <laughs> So, I mean, okay. So one of my final questions for you is, and I'm sure there's somebody listening right now and they're looking to get started on paying off their debt, but they just don't know. I mean, they don't know what to do. They don't know where to begin. What would you recommend for that person to, as just something that they can do today to just get started?
1: So the main thing is that you have to face your debt. You need to actually write down the numbers and see what all you have. And then you got to put together a budget that you're going to stick to. I have a fantastic getting started guide on my website that goes over all of my tips. And I have a budgeting video that teaches you exactly how we budget on my YouTube channel.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, Amanda, listen, I've had just a blast talking to you and just learning more about your story, things that I didn't really know for myself. And so as we close this out, I do want to give you the opportunity to just share with the listeners where they can find you and if there's anything else cool that you have to offer.
1: Yes, you can find me on Instagram at debtfreeandsunnyca and and my website debtfreeandsunnyca.com.
0: Awesome. Well, I will be sure to link to that in the show notes, which you can find at winning2wealth.com slash episode six. But thank you, Amanda, for stopping by the neighborhood and sharing your story with us. I mean, I had just a blast talking to you and I'm excited to follow your journey as you become a new parent and shift your focus from debt elimination to wealth building with real estate. And so I do want to shout out our show sponsor, Everyday Life. I sincerely believe that they have a great service that can be a huge help to so many of you so be sure to check them out for all of your life insurance needs you can do that at elifelabs.com winning to wealth so in the finance world we do hear a lot about geo arbitrage on the international level But with Amanda and Josh, we'd see that it's totally possible on the domestic level as well. And again, as a reminder, geo arbitrage is simply moving to a lower cost of living area to make the money you have stretch even further. So for them, they got to keep their California salaries and then they're saving an additional $14,000 every year on their taxes while paying less in standard living expenses. And if you listen carefully, there's actually a double win there because not only are they saving money in all those ways today, which is going to allow them to build wealth faster and reach their goals quicker, but because the cost of living in Austin is lower than where they were The actual amount that they need for retirement is probably a little less too, so there's a little bit of a double win there. Now, I know this isn't a strategy for everyone, and like Amanda said, you need to sit down and weigh out the pros and cons of making a move like this. I mean, maybe for you, the emotional toll of being away from family outweighs the financial benefits, or maybe the financial benefits in your career are just minimal to begin with, And that's okay because as we always say, personal finance is personal, but I definitely wanted Amanda to share that part of her story because this may be a great option for some of you that you've maybe never really considered or looked into before. And I like Amanda's story for a few reasons. I mean, she's a great example of the fact that you don't have to repeat your parents' mistakes forever. And even deeper than that, just because something is the thing you know, doesn't mean it's the best way. So always be seeking out strategies that'll help you get in alignment with your big life goals. See, Amanda grew up, I mean, seeing her parents finance cars and even had a finance car herself at age 15. And now today she's saving up to buy a car with cash, which will save her thousands of dollars in interest. Also, you need to make sure your current living situation is moving you towards your goals. Make it a point to sit down every once in a while and just again, check your habits, make sure that the way you're living and the decisions you're making daily are moving you towards your goals and not hindering your progress. So for Amanda, I mean, this meant sitting down, looking at the cost of living where she was and moving away from most of her family and friends to be able to save and invest more, which is going to be the funding she needs for her lifestyle that she really wants to live in the future. And again, that may not be for you, but. You will never know if you just accept the fact that the way things are is just how they always have to be, which is how so many of us live our lives. Finally, as you focus on and move towards that dream life, be sure to celebrate the small wins. This is how Amanda was able to stay motivated for 43 months as she paid off her debt, which is essentially what gave her the financial flexibility to make moves that are going to lead to her reaching her financial goals. You can do the same thing as you hit net worth goals or debt payoff goals Anything like that, I mean, for us, every few months we like to take a small trip somewhere to reward ourselves for the hard work that we've done and the sacrifices we've made in building wealth. And I can tell you, it definitely keeps that fire burning. So, if you heard Amanda's story and you're just looking for a place to get started on your financial journey, you're looking for a guide, be sure to go to WinningToWealth.com/guide and download my book, Winning To Wealth. There's no cost for you, and this book just kind of lays out some of the practical steps you can take to start winning with money. And again, you can find that at winningtowealthcom slash guide. Finally, if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend. You just never know who may be in need of the info we talk about, and really all it takes is just a quick tap on your screen and you've shared it with your network, which is kind of cool. And lastly, if you want to talk money with me, come join the neighborhood. This is our space to ask our money questions and provide help to other people who have questions that maybe we know the answers to without giving them any judgment or anything like that. You can find it over at winningtowealth.com slash neighbors. That's winningtowealth.com slash neighbors. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. As a reminder, you can find the show notes for this at winning slash episode six. I'll see you around the neighborhood.